Thanks for listening to the Seeds Church Podcast. If you're in Middle Tennessee, we'd love to have you join us in person for one of our services. Check out SeedsChurchTN.com for times and locations. My name is Mike Miller, and it is an honor, an honor to be here. Um, I'm going to preach a sermon like my wife today, short and sweet. Is that all right? She's five foot two, and she is amazing. And uh, a little bit about myself. I'm from Halifax, Nova Scotia, which is east, uh, east of Tennessee, very east. We still believe wise men come from the east. Uh, Halifax is known, truth, it's known. That's where when the Titanic sunk, uh, they brought all the bodies and buried them in our city. I know, that's a horrible way to be remembered. That stat gives me a sinking feeling. I know, I know, I know. That, I know, if you're looking for a good humor, uh, come back next week, because uh, that joke's just the tip of the iceberg. <laughs> Any Titanic fans? I know, your, your heart will go on. Okay. If you're not getting these jokes, it means you're young. Okay. And uh, um, so uh, it's just an honor, honor to be here. Uh, my wife today, uh, when we got married, we actually only dated for two weeks, and then we got engaged. Uh, don't do that. Don't do that. Uh, I met my wife when I was checking in for a flight. First time I ever met her, I was checking in for a flight, and she was the ticket agent. And, and uh, I like to think as I was checking in, she was checking me out. And uh, that's not the way she remembers it, but that's the way I tell it. Uh, but the truth is, she didn't upgrade my flight that day. But she upgraded my life when she married me. See, some of you girls are like, oh, some of you guys are like, what? Guys, that's why you're single, right there. And uh, I can help you. Uh, we got married, it'll be 20 years in May, we married 20 years in May, and uh, that's a big deal, it's like six Hollywood weddings, and, uh, um, and my, our, our kids have a 15-year-old son, uh, Josh, we're believing he has his mother's looks and his father's taste in picking out a wife, we're believing for that for him, uh, and my daughter Maddie's 12, and um, she's, we call her Killer Miller, because uh, she keeps shooting down all the guys trying to ask her out at 12, uh, we call her Killer Miller, and they're both in Dominican today. On a missions trip, my son just spoke at a church, which at 15, I'm so proud he just messaged me. He's like, it went okay. So, few words, you know? And uh, so I'm waiting to unpack that. And my wife uh, is leading our church today in Nova Scotia, Nova Church. And Nova is Latin, it means new. And Nova Scotia is Latin, it means New Scotland, because it looks like Scotland. Uh, and I believe that God has a new plan. God makes all things new. I believe we're a new creation. I think God has new hope and new dreams and, and can wash away past and God wants to do a new thing. And that's not just a Canada thing. Come on. That's a Tennessee thing. That's a Bible thing. And God has hope today. So we want to encourage you. And when me and my wife got married, uh, on our wedding rings, we put engraved in hers and mine, uh, the same thing. It says two lives, one cause inside our wedding rings. And today we're actually four lives, my kids and me and my wife, and we're all over different places, but the same faces. Home is no longer a place. It's a face. And we came from two, two different parts of the country, two different backgrounds, two drastically different upbringings, but we came together under one cause, the cause of Christ. And today, we're from different parts of the country, you and I, two different churches, two different uh, nationalities, but we believe we're two different faces, but we have the same cause today, amen? Two lives, two churches, one cause. That's to lift up Jesus Christ and to love people. Can someone say amen? amen. So it is an honor to be here. I love J.D. and Jamie. I love them. Love their family, their breathtaking kids. Even Noble, love him. And uh, <laughs> is Noble here today? I don't know if he's here. He's working with kids. That's right. We love even that. Even love him. And uh, 
we've been teasing each other through text messages and stuff for years, but we finally met this weekend. But it's an honor to be here. We've prayed for you. We're praying for you. Uh, we are sister churches in many ways, or brother churches, whatever's more manly, uh, yes. as we launch together. So it is an honor to be here. If you have your Bible today, can you turn to John chapter 11? If you don't have a Bible, just pull up next to a Christian, they'll have one. Uh, John chapter 11. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Uh, if you don't have a Bible, you'll see it on the big iPad 7 behind me uh, in a moment. Uh, John chapter 11. John chapter 11. I want to read a few verses this morning and encourage you just for the few minutes allotted to me. If you're wondering, let me just let you know, let me get to the end right now. I'm here to cheer you on. I believe in a world of critics, choose to be a cheerleader. Uh, we have so many people criticizing. You can't watch the news. Uh, you, can't, you can't watch sports. You can't go to church. You can't go to coffee shops. Everybody seems to be criticizing. People seem to have an opinion. Every Facebook page, every Twitter page, every Instagram page. And I, I, I believe this. Never take criticism from a critic who's never constructed anything. And uh, I believe in a world of critics, be a cheerleader. And today I want you to know God's cheering you on as a church. He's cheering on your singleness, your marriage. He's cheering on your parenting. He's cheering on this church, your leadership. And today I want to just echo that and rally you and cheer you for the assignment God has on your life. Can somebody say amen? Amen. John chapter 11. I'm going to restart reading in verse 1. It says, The man named Lazarus was sick. He lived in Bethany with his sisters, Martha, Mary and Martha. This is the Mary who later poured out expensive perfume on the Lord's feet. And wiped him with her hair. Her brother Lazarus was sick. So the two sisters sent a message to Jesus telling him, Lord, your dear friend is very sick. The passage goes on. Jesus hears the message. He chooses not to come. He, he stays where he's at. We say things in church all the time like God's never late. I've realized God is always late on my timing. But his ways are not my way. He sings things differently. And Jesus stays where he is and Lazarus dies. And they're wrestling with that decision. And then we pick it up in verse 17. And Jesus now shows up on the scene, which many would say was late. He shows up and he says, when Jesus arrived at Bethany, in verse 17, he was told that Lazarus had already been in the grave for four days. Bethany was only a few miles down the road from Jerusalem, and many of the people had come to console Martha and Mary in their loss. When Martha got word that Jesus was coming, she went to meet him, but Mary stayed in the house. That's Old Testament for she had an attitude. You know, sometimes, like, you know, like, when guys say things are fine, things are fine. When a woman says things are fine, it's the opposite of whatever fine is. This is her saying, it's fine. I'm just going to stay here. It's fine. It was just fine. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you'd only been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that God will give you what you asked. So Jesus told her, your brother will rise again. Yes, Martha said, he will rise when everyone rises on the last day. Jesus told her, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. Everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never, ever die. Do you believe this, Martha? Then we pick it up in verse 32. And Mary, who it was fine, arrived and saw Jesus. She fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you would only have been here, my brother would not have died. Jesus saw her weeping and saw the other people wailing with her, and a deep anger welled up within him, and he was deeply troubled. Where have you put him, he asked. They told him, Lord, come and see. In the shortest verse in Scripture, he says, then Jesus wept. The people who were standing nearby said, see how much he loved him. But someone said, this man healed a blind man. Couldn't he have kept Lazarus from dying? Jesus was still angry. He was tapped into his feminine side right there. He was still angry. 
<laughs> My wife's not here, so I can say that. Okay, verse 38. He arrived at the tomb, a cave that had a stone rolled across its entrance. Roll the stone aside, Jesus told them. But Martha, the dead man's sister, protested and said, Lord, he's been dead four days. The smell will be like a junior high boy's room. That's the, the Greek version. The smell will be terrible. But Jesus re- responded, didn't I tell you that you would see God's glory if you only believed? So they rolled the stone aside. Jesus looked up from heaven and said, Father, thank you for hearing me. You always hear me. But I said it out loud for the sake of these people standing here so they, that you will believe that you sent me. Then Jesus shouted, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out, his hands and feet bound in grave clothes, his face wrapped in a headcloth. And Jesus told them, unwrap him and let him go. Unwrap him and let him go. Today, for the next few minutes, I just want to talk on this thought. If you're taking notes, write this down. If you're thinking just the hashtag, the thought, what I want to be in your head and settle into your spirit today is mundane miracles. Say mundane Mundane. miracles. Let's pray one more time. Father, thank you for today. God, I thank you for this breathtaking church. Father, I thank you for your goodness, your faithfulness, and your mercy. God, I pray our goal is clear today that not just to be informed or entertained, but God, our desire today is to be transformed today. That according to your word, that Father, we'll walk in here one way, but we'll walk out differently. Father, I'm asking that Father, we would leave here more like you, more in love with you, and more passionate about your plan for our lives. Thank you, God, for this church. Thank you for the faithfulness of every Dream Team member. Thank you for everyone that's serving today. We bless our kids right now. Father, we bless the, uh, every ministry under this roof. Father, and we thank you. Father, the best is yet to come. In the name of Jesus Christ, we also pray for the Titans against the Bills today. And everybody said? Amen. Do you have pet peeves? Anybody have pet peeves in their life? Like people that leave the blinker on when they're driving in the fast lane. Somebody. Uh, loud talkers on cell phones in public places. Come on, somebody. Pet peeves. I have a pet peeve. Me and my wife have a pet peeve, and that's this. Whenever our kids say they're bored. We have a rule in our house. You cannot say you're bored. I've been a lot of things, but I haven't been bored in a long time. We go away on vacation to be bored. Come on, somebody. Like, like my kids say they're bored. I'm like, you don't understand you're bored. You have iPads and iPods and AirPods and you have internet and, and Netflix and you have satellites and hoverboards. There's no reason for any child or teenager, come on, to be bored. When we were growing up, we didn't have these things. We had a stick. I'm that old. We, 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 had, a, we had light bright. Come on, somebody. We had this thing called outdoors we used to go to. We used to, with the original Fortnite, we'd build forts with blankets in our living room at night. That was Fortnite. We had nothing growing up. I remember we had three channels on our TV. Now, I'm Canadian, uh, Canadian A. And, you know, some of you want to come visit, but we're building a wall and making you pay for it, so you can't come, but uh, too soon. Okay, all right. But uh, I, we had three channels growing up. One was news, one was hockey, and the other one had hee-haw on it. And we weren't allowed to watch hee-haw. Today, they got everything. I was like, you can't be bored. I, I remember, I tell my kids, I sound so old when I say this. I said, we never had the internet. You know you're old when you call it the internet. We, had, we never had the internet growing up. Remember growing up, I'm, I'm looking at you, Pastor Russell, and I'm sorry, I just I want to look at you. Remember, if you didn't know something, you just didn't know it. If the person next to you didn't know the answer, you didn't know. If you're sitting there going, I wonder what the capital of Florida is. If the guy next to you didn't know the answer, you never knew. If you're watching a show and someone's in, you go, what other movie was this guy in? If no one in the room knew, it would nag you for weeks. You couldn't Google anything. 
I remember those days. You just didn't know what you did. I remember trying to do a project, a thousand-word essay in junior high on an encyclopedia that only had 200 words in it on the subject. Encyclopedias were these books girls that used to put information. They were the internet on pages. We carried them around four score and seven years ago when I was a child. <clears throat> I love that. I know what it is. I've seen it on Google. I've seen pictures. <laughs> oh, I'm so old. But I'm from Canada, so everything freezes up there, so I look good. But the, the older I get, the tighter my pants get. I realize that too. Skinny jeans. Here's what I've realized in life is there's this pressure. Maybe you feel it. I know sometimes we feel it. There's this pressure to only post the highlights of life. I don't know about you, but no one brags about the mundane, the boring. No one brags about the routine stuff. Like, I rarely see on Instagram people putting up, paying the mortgage, you know, hashtag, you know, adulting, you know, amazing. No one ever puts up mowing the lawn, highlight of the week, you know. No one ever puts on there doing the dishes or cleaning up after the dog. But there's this highlight. It's always got to be the courtside tickets. It's always got to be the, uh, the best latte you've had. It's always got to be when you repaint that fireplace and it's Pinterest ready. Come on. It's always that highlight, that moment, that, that this is the thing we all want to see. I, I find in life there's, this, there's this, this temptation to resist the mundane. We don't celebrate the regular stuff. We live for Friday nights. We don't celebrate Monday morning. We, we resist the routine. We seem to resist the mundane. But here's what I wanna, I've realized and I want to encourage you today is our God works through the mundane. Being in my mid-40s now and pastoring for a few decades and launching this church like you just starting our third year, I'm realizing that I want to post the highlights, but God works in the mundane, that there is miracles in the mundane living of life. It's not, it's not always sexy. It's not always attractive. It's not the kind of thing you want to brag on. But I'm realizing in life that God does more in the mundane than anything else. John chapter 11, we read today, is a snapshot. I believe of Jesus' ministry, his passion, but also our part to play in it. Just a, a few points that I need to touch on today is in John chapter 11 we are in a place where a miracle was needed here's how you know you need a miracle is when a doctor can't fix it a banker can't fix it a teacher can't fix it and a pastor can't fix it maybe you're here today and you're saying I need a miracle if someone else can fix it it's not a miracle you need in this situation no one could fix this Lazarus had died a miracle was needed in this Moment. I want to encourage you today, our country, your country, my country, we need miracles. Yes. Our cities and towns need miracles. Our families need miracles. Our churches need miracles. And a banker can't fix them. Only God himself needs to step in. We need a miracle in our nations today. Amen. We believe in miracles. We're still that church. I can speak boldly. You're still that church. You believe in miracles that God can step in. It's not based on your marketing or your worship or your skinny guest speakers. It's not based on, uh, on, on your kids' program or what venue you're in. Your hope is in the miracle power of the living God, that he can transform marriages. He can save teenagers. He can heal the sick. He can raise the dead. He can reach the nation. I'm preaching better than you're amening. You need to know today we're a church that believes in miracles. And if you're here today and you're like, I, I need a miracle, you're in the right place today. We serve that Jesus. We refuse to build a church based on social media. We'll build with it, but we're not building on it. It's built on the power of the living God. In verse 33, 
Jesus, it says he gets angry. It says he starts to get upset. It says he's deeply troubled. Another version says he groaned in his spirit. Maybe you've been to that point a few times. More than crocodile tears, but you've been so grieving, so upset. It's like a noise of an animal that's wounded. It's a groaning. I've been there three times in my life. Jesus was in this pain of grieving and troubled, and he was bothered. I want to encourage you today on this beautiful fall morning in Tennessee. Someone has to get bothered by the state of our city, our families, and our town. Someone has to start grieving and groaning. Listen, there are assignments on your life, and there are problems in our town. Sex trafficking is not something on the other side of the world. It's in your city. Drug abuse, racism is an issue. If you don't think racism is an issue, you're probably white and male. It's an issue. There are issues in our cities and our towns. Hopelessness is a disease spreading in every classroom, a boardroom, and bedroom in our community. There is a need for God to step in, and someone's got to start grieving these things. It's got to bother us. Just can't do church as usual. Just do life as normal. We have to get bothered in our spirits. It says God grieved. We are made in his image. I believe grieving is a part of this journey. We have to get troubled about this. When we see the faces in our community, in verse 34, Jesus says with intensity, where have you laid him with anger? It says he was still angry. He wasn't angry at people. He wasn't angry at the sisters. He was angry at the power that death and the grave still had over this community. I want to encourage you, you can be angry and sin not. Get angry at hopelessness. Angry at people that are losing their lives to depression. Angry at abuse. Angry at things going. I believe we can get angry at the powers of hell that are trying to take apart our kids, our marriages, our churches, our communities, our government. I believe we can get angry. And then verse 35. This is always the Bible trivia verse when I was growing up. The shortest verse. It says, Jesus wept. My friends, I want to encourage you today and remind you that don't you dare think that God is some emotionless fast fact checker Fact checker up in England, up in up in England, heaven very similar. <laughs> just one's got one, just one's got better weather. He's not some fact checker up in heaven, sitting there emotional like a robot when you pray, approve or deny. He's emotional today. He is involved in your journey. He's not distant. He's not disconnected. He's not distracted. He is cheering you on today, church. Let's see, church. He is cheering you on today. He is grieving with you. He is cheering with you. He is fighting for you. He is actively involved in your, in your journey. It says heaven celebrates and heaven grieves. God is an emotional being today. He's proud of you. He cheers with you. When you grieve, he grieves. When you celebrate, you cel- he celebrates. God is involved in your journey. But in verse 38 and 39, there's this fascinating part I want to highlight today before we pray for some people and we... Go on and enjoy our day. In verse 38 and 39, Jesus was still angry and he arrived at the tomb. A cave with a stone rolled across its entrance and he said this, roll the stone aside, Jesus told them. It's amazing in this passage, I've heard lots of messages on this and I've thought about this, but there's this detail that scripture wanted it placed in here for a reason. This detail of why would he get people to roll the stone aside? Have you ever wondered that? To me, I find that fascinating that God, God himself, Jesus, God the Son, who's about to go to the cross and die for mankind, the the Jesus that could raise the dead and heal the blind, the Jesus that walk on water and go to the cross, why would he need somebody to roll the stone? 
It's interesting to me to roll a stone takes no skills. Only takes three, really. Three skills. It's not talent. There's only three skills needed. Number one, you need to be strong enough to push something. Number two, you need to be able to endure sweat. And number three, handle the smell of death. That's it. If you're going to roll a stone away from a grave, you need to be able to work hard, understand that sweat is a part of it, and handle the smell of death when that door opens. It takes no talent. It's amazing in my life how I'm drawn to talent, but God looks at things different. We're drawn to speakers and musicians and artists, and we're drawn to the excellence of design. But it's amazing to me in this moment of world change, when a miracle was needed and Jesus was stepping up to deliver, what he asked for wasn't talent. He asked for the miracle of the mundane. Here's the truth today is God always has and always will look for us and people to partner with him. That's why you're here today. That's why we're, we launched our church in Halifax. That's what God has always done. He's always looked for people to partner with him. Many times God intervenes and he'll ask us to do the mundane before he does the divine. That's our, that's our relationship. God always says, if you'll do the mundane, I'll do the divine. Listen, the miracle in this story was not in the raising of the dead. It was in the rolling of the stone. That's the miracle. See, a miracle is something that shouldn't happen like the Titans winning the NFL. That's a miracle. A miracle is something that is abnormal. It's not a miracle to do something that you were trained in. It's not a miracle if you do it every day. What's amazing is God, he is supernatural. God is a healer. God is a raiser. So for him to raise the dead was not a miracle. That's normal for him. That's his every day. The miracle was not in the raising. The miracle was in the rolling. I have realized in my life, the miracle is when I stay committed to what God's called me to do. When I stay committed to my parenting, when I'm past the point when they're babies and cute and we have to go through, this, go through the, the life in my marriage, in my church, the miracle is not in the raising, it's in the rolling. The miracle is not in, in the divine, it's in the mundane. I want to challenge you as a church today, God has an assignment for you. For this part of Tennessee, God has an assignment on this church. There's an assignment on you as a couple and as a team, as a church. And God wants to perform a miracle in families, in marriages, and kids, and singles, and those that are down and out, and those that are up and at them, and those that feel like they're on top of the mountain, and those that feel like the mountain's on top of them. God wants to do a miracle. And he's looking for those that will roll the stone. If we roll the stone, then he'll raise the dead. Listen to me, church. If we roll the stone, he'll raise the dead. Sometimes we miss the divine because we reject the mundane. I think we've robbed a generation of the miraculous by confusing success and fame. We have a generation that thinks success and fame are the same thing. Success is Mother Teresa. Fame is reality TV. And there's a world of difference in that statement. We have a generation that thinks success and fame. I believe success is being faithful what God's called you to do. He doesn't say, well done, good and famous servant. He says, well done, good and faithful servant i believe miracles happen if we commit to the mundane if we show up god will show off god has showed up and shown off in this theater because you've shown up god has showed off as you get ready to move to the grove i want to know as you show up god's going to show off in that place there are people that in that moment with those beautiful decor and tin roofs and lives and ambiance and music as we show up on keyboards as we show up uh, pastors, we show up in kids' ministry. God's going to show off on people. 
It's going to be that venue that people think, well, this is for weddings or this is a nice place. In that moment, miracles are going to happen in people's lives. Yes. Marriage is going to be transformed. Kids are going to come back to Christ. People are going to be, I have a revelation of hope. Miracles are going to happen in that place. Why? Because if we show up, God will show off. God's looking for partners today. That's what he's looking for. He's like, if you roll the stone, I'll raise the dead. Mark chapter 6, you know the story about the five loaves and fishes. The disciples said, God, they're hungry. And Jesus said, you feed them. And you know the story. They came back with fish and chips, loaves and fish, and said, ta-da. And he's like, good try, not enough. He's like, and he blesses it. And I always wonder, who's the hero in that story? Some would say, it's Jesus. He, he, he fed the multitude. Others would go, no, 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 it's not Jesus. It's the boy. You know, for me, it's not even the boy. It's the mom and dad. Because my father, my grandfather was a lobster fisherman for his whole life in Newfoundland, off of the coast. And fishing is a hard life. And back then, to bake bread wasn't, you couldn't buy it from the store. There was no microwave. It was days of process of grinding wheat. And somewhere, there was a mom and dad that committed to the mundane to make bread, to go catch fish on cold days and warm days, on early mornings and late at night, to provide for a boy. And they committed to the mundane so he could bring it to the divine. And their commitment to the mundane provided a moment for God to feed a multitude. Can I tell you, sometimes the most spiritual thing you can do is bring your kids to kids' ministry. Well, I don't know if I like that song. I've heard that song before. I don't know if I like that preacher. He's very good looking, but I don't like his preaching. He's so humble too. And the greatest things in life won't be something we build, but someone we raise. And these parents are the heroes for me. The mom and dad are heroes. My mom was one of these parents. My mom prayed mundane prayers. My mom's the kind of mom that prayed with the door open so I could hear her prayers. She prayed against every girl I ever liked <laughs> by name. But she would change their names. She'd pray for death Jezebel in my life. One she even called the, called the Whore of Babylon. She just, just she'd pray with the door open. Pray with the door open. She was that kind of woman. She was predictable in her schedule. She was always around if I wanted to talk. She was consistent in her offerings. She gave offerings to the youth ministry when I was a child, saying, if I pour into it now, it'll be there when I need it. And she started giving $20 a week when I was five, six, seven, saying, I need a youth ministry for when my son turns 13. And in her mundane, God did the divine, led to miracles in my life. If we commit to the ordinary, Jesus will do the extraordinary. Yes. And church, this is not just a message today. It's a call from God for our lives. The miracle of the mundane. We have churches waiting on a move of God. And we need one. But I believe God's waiting on a move of man to say, I'll roll the stone. I'll roll the stone. Because I know he'll raise the dead. Because that's who he is. The stone represents barriers. Jesus is asking us to remove barriers so people can come and hear his voice. Sometimes the barrier is they don't know it's here. It's a sign. It's a flag outside. Sometimes it's resharing on Instagram or Facebook. Sometimes it's inviting somebody through text. Sometimes it's setting up cords and, 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 and check-in systems. Sometimes it's doing projection and sound. And whatever the barrier is, we remove barriers and stones so people can hear the voice of God. Because if we'll roll the stone, he'll raise the dead. You ever hear these stories you don't need to write down because they're etched into your memory, into your spirit? There's this man named Carl that I know. I heard this story years ago. This man named Carl was a painter, not the kind of painter that painted art, but he painted buildings and houses and warehouses. He was a, he was a man in his 60s. This man was painting, and one day he walked out of the back of his house. 
and looked over at the neighbors and he saw this couple, a little boy and a little girl walking into the house and he'd seen them a few times and he felt God, please don't miss this, say, go invite them to church. Now he was a man that could have focused on his golf game and there's nothing wrong with that. He could have focused on his lawn and there's nothing wrong with that. But he felt this check in his heart, this is bigger than you. And he, he walked across two driveways and two lawns and knocked on a door. This woman came to the door with a four-month-old little boy on her hip and a five-year-old little girl. He says, hi, my name is Carl, and I live over there. There's my wife, and his wife Gladys was at the back of the house waving, and she said, oh, I've seen you. He goes, yeah, we're your neighbors. Listen, I know this might be a little weird, but we have a granddaughter. We take to church on Sundays. I was just wondering if your little girl would like to go to church this Sunday. This little girl was so excited. She'd never been to church. She's like, mom, mommy, mommy, can I go to church? I want to go to church, please. How many know five-year-old little girls can be very persistent? Gentlemen, how many know your wives can be very persistent? I want to go to, she said, we don't really know this man. I don't know. We've never gone to church. Please, mommy, please, mommy, please, mommy. Finally, this woman goes, okay, you can go. Saturday came and Carl and Gladys and their granddaughter picked up this little girl. They took her to church and she had an amazing time. Went to church. It was breathtaking. She came home and she was so excited. She walked in the door and said, mom, I had the best time at church today. She goes, yes, she goes, I'm going to be in a play next week. I'm going to be a sheep. I know what you're thinking. That's a bad idea. I know. I kid. I kid. She's like, you got to come with me next week. And her mother was like, no, 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 no. That was awesome. I, no, we don't go to church. Her mom's thinking, I don't have anything to wear. I don't, I, I don't, I don't do this. The little boy's on her hip, and she's like, mommy, you got to come. You got to come. You got to come. Finally, her mother gave in and said, okay, I'll come with you next week. What Carl didn't know and even her daughter didn't know is that this family was going through hell. On the outside, they had a nice house and they had two kids and they had a a motor home and they had all the nice stuff. But the man, the husband, had owned his own nightclub, his own bar, his own pub, and he'd work all day, but then he'd drink all night. He'd drive home drunk and he'd be come home hungover, get up and go to work, drink all night, come home. And that quickly led their life downhill. And this woman went from being sad to being depressed to the point in this part where she was actually suicidal. She was actually making plans. She felt so hopeless and so bad. She worked at a doctor's office where she could get all the pills she wanted. And she got all these pills, collected them so no one noticed over months. She stored them in her cupboard. One night she sat down when the husband went off to work in the morning knowing he wouldn't be back till late. He'd be drunk. And one supper time she sat down. She put the five-year-old in a high chair, in a chair. She put the four-month-old over here in a chair. She sat down at the kitchen table and she said, I'm going to give all the pills to my daughter and my son and I'll take the rest and that'll be it. This will be over. I don't understand to be in that place. Maybe some of you do. But her thought was, I love my kids so much but I can't stay here anymore and I can't leave them because the, he, he can't take care of them. He's drunk all the time and if I leave with the government, who knows where they'll end up. So she devised a plan to end their life in her own. She sat down at the table that night and in the middle of that adrenaline rush moment, she fell asleep. And I don't know where you stand on theology or what you know about God, but I believe God intervened in that moment. She woke up from the table an hour later, looked around and the Her daughter was still coloring. Her little boy was still in the high chair. The pills were still there. And her heart leaped and she thought, I can't do it now because if he comes home early and they find us and we're not dead, that'll be worse. They'll pump our stomach. They'll take my kids. So she took the pills and put them in the cupboard and said, I'll do it tomorrow. 
it was that next day that Carl knocked on the door. Sunday came and Carl knocked on the door and said, are you coming to church? I heard you're coming with us today. She goes, no, I, I can't go. I, I have too much going on. I, it's, I don't have enough to wear. And the little girl said, you promised. You promised. You promised you'd come. And finally she wore her mother down. And her mother bundled up the four-month-old. They got in the car and they drove to church. That church didn't look like this church. It didn't have banners. It didn't have the excellence of worship. It didn't have a lot of things. But it has what you have, the presence of God. And people that love God and love people. She walked into that church. This woman tells the story. She said, I couldn't even wait for the, the guy to speak. I ran to the altar, but I had a miniskirt on, so I couldn't even bow down at the altar, much like me in my skinny jeans. And she tried to get herself to her knees, her mascara running down her face. And in that moment, she met the God that raises people. It says she walked out that day and she said, I can't explain it, but like the grass was greener, the sky was bluer. I had hope again. The church that loved her, she went home and her life was still a mess. Her husband was still a drunk, but she had hope for the first time in her life. Something started to change. Her husband was still drunk. He'd come home every night drunk, but something changed and the atmosphere changed and she started putting on Christian music. There's one song she loved by a guy named Jimmy Swagger called uh, He Brought Me Out of the Miry Clay. But if her husband heard the song, he'd get angry and violent, so she put on Elvis instead. Elvis the pelvis. One night he came home and she couldn't get to the record player in time. He came home early. He walked in and she thought, this is the night he hits me. This is the night. And he sat on the couch. She said, you're home early. And he wasn't drunk. He was frustrated. He started to pace. He said, I went out to a friend's pub tonight to get drunk and the beer tasted horrible. He said, I went to another pub and the beer tasted horrible. I went back to our own nightclub and the beer tasted. He said, I'm so frustrated. And they looked at her and said, and you, what's wrong with you? He said, you shouldn't love me like you love me. I know this isn't the marriage you signed up for. I know I'm not the man you thought I was. I know this has not been easy, but you smile and you sing and you love me. I don't understand it. And he started to cry. He goes, but I want the same God you serve. And that night he bowed his knee and she led him to Christ. Can we fast forward a little bit? They went on and life changed for them. They had another little boy after this and now all these years later, the little girl was a missionary for a while. Now she has kids of her own, living for God, working for the government. They had another little boy. He now works actually for Billy Graham and World Vision, helping kids all over the world. And that four-month-old little boy today, of all places, he's in a theater in Murfreesboro, Tennessee, preaching to you. Listen, this is not a sermon to me. Carl Stevens was a man that understood if I commit to the mundane, God will do the divine. I take my kids, my 50-year-old, my 12-year-old to his tomb, to his grave. And I know he's not there. I know he's in heaven. But I said, this is what faithfulness looks like. This is what a miracle looks like. Sometimes changing the world looks like knocking on a door and saying, hey, come with me. And because he rolled the stone, God raised the dead in my life. My mom, she's the best greeter at our church. She's 74 years of age. She's on the front door this morning in Nova Scotia, loving people, doing what she saw was done for her. 
My friend, there are people that need this hope in the city. And God's not looking for talent. He's not looking for the famous. But he's saying, if you would commit one more time to the miracle of the mundane, if you'll roll the stone, I'll raise the dead. You're moving to the grove. When you get there, there's going to be some mundane. But if we'll do the mundane, he'll do the divine. And years from now, there'll be women and men standing in places all over the world going, I walked into a church. And I walked out with hope. I walked in a mess. But I walked out a message. I walked in thinking my life was done. But now I have a dream again. I have peace again. I have faith again. You're at a turning point as a church. I believe if we'll roll the stone, he'll raise the dead. And it goes on and says this. He called Lazarus. He said, Lazarus came out bound in grave clothes. Please don't miss this. To the same people that rolled the stone, he said, loosen him. My friend, if we roll the stone, he'll raise the dead. And then we'll spend our lives as a church unwrapping people from their issues. They're coming. Listen to me. They're coming. And they smell like death. They smell like regret and pain and abuse. They're dealing with addictions and sexuality and, 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 and frustrations and depression. And they're smelling like religion. And they're smelling like a lot of things. And they're going to have issues. They're not going to act like you or look like you, but they're going to walk in tied up in their pain. And we will spend our services and our retreats and our prayer nights and our Wednesday nights and our Sunday mornings and our kids program unwrapping them slowly. Go, no, we can help you. Get in this small group. Get Come to church. Let me help you this weekend. Let's get into the word. Listen to this song as Jesse and teams lead us. And we'll unwrap them of their pain. But only free people can free people. Today, I want to encourage you, be free in the, in the love of Christ today. If you'll roll the stone, he'll raise the dead. And we will spend a lifetime unwrapping people and seeing people be free again. All over this place, can you stand to your feet? As we get ready to close. Just a moment, if you just close your eyes for a moment and bow your head just for privacy. It's not a, a church thing, it's a privacy thing. I want to ask you, if you're here today, I don't know all the faces and races in this place, but I do know this, that God loves you. In a moment, I'm going to ask you on the count of three if you want me to pray for you that you would start a journey with Jesus. You don't know Jesus. You know church. Maybe someone invited you. Maybe you grew up in this, but you don't know Jesus. You don't know the Jesus that raises the dead. You know church. You know stuff, but you don't know Jesus. On the count of three, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand and put it right back down, and I'm just going to pray. If that's you today, a moment, a miracle can happen. We spent, this is all for you, to get ready for you. We're rolling stones today, and today God wants to raise the dead in your life. One, it's not everybody, but it's somebody in this room. Two, you want to start a uh, relationship with Jesus Christ. Three, all over this place. Raise your hand and put it right back down. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Put it right back down. Can we pray all together, worship team? Can you pray with me? Can we all repeat this prayer for those four people that I saw put their hand up? Can we, we all pray together? Let's pray this after me. Lord Jesus Christ. Lord Jesus Christ. I thank you for today. I thank you that you're forgiving my past. I thank you that you're helping my today. And I thank you that you're igniting my future. Would you come into my life? I believe that you're God. And I believe that you can help me. Lead my life. I love you, Jesus. Amen. Come on, give me a round of applause today. As Pastor JD comes, I want to encourage you today, church. Don't see those cases and signs 
and set up and tear down as tasks. See it as the miracle of the mundane. If you roll it, he'll raise it. Amen. Come on, let's sing together. Thanks for listening. Stay connected with us at SeedsChurchTN.com and on social media. Our mission at Seeds Church is to help people discover who God created them to be and equip them to do what He called them to do. One of the easiest ways you can help us accomplish our mission is by simply sharing this podcast. You can do so by subscribing, leaving a review on iTunes, or sharing it with your friends on Facebook. Thanks again for listening. We hope to see you soon.